Hey, welcome to season two, episode number eight of the Daniel Floyd Leadership Podcast. We're so glad you're with us today. It's a special episode. We're doing Q&A from questions that you have submitted. So you're controlling the content today, and I think it's going to be super helpful. We're going to talk about a whole wide range of topics from how do you develop yourself personally, what keeps you motivated to do that. We're going to talk about how do you build teams and the dynamic between being a leader and a friend? And that can be really challenging. And I'm excited to dive into that. We also got a little bonus about lessons we're learning from Coach Prime. You want to stay <laughs> to the end to learn that one. It's going to be great. Today, I have Ben Clock with me. Ben serves on our executive team at LifePoint Church, and he's going to be throwing out the questions today. Ben is an incredible leader. We got him out of the corporate world, came to Christ in our church, served, felt called to ministry in our church, and now has worked all kinds of jobs and now oversees all of our campuses, next steps, communications, everything making a weekend happen. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. All right, let's do it. Let's jump right in. Great. So we're going to start off with this one. What are some practical measures you take to develop resilience in your leadership? I love this thought of resilience. Mm -hmm. I think it's really needed today. And this is going to sound really simplistic, but I think it's just you keep showing up. Yeah. Like consistency good. wins every time, right? Right. And resilience isn't built in easy times. It's built in hard times. Mm. And so to be resilient means you have to you have to walk through something hard and difficult. And it means you just keep showing up. You just show up every day. Every day may not be a win. I had somebody told me years ago, they said, uh, when you're speaking, it doesn't have to be a home run. Yeah. Every time. And at the moment I was young and maybe a little arrogant and, and in my mind, I would never say this out loud. My mom raised me. Right. But in my mind, I'm thinking every time it's got to be a home run, you got to hit out of the park right. every time. And they were right. The more mature I got some days, you don't even have the energy in you to swing a home run. Yeah. That's a good point. If you can just get on base, you know, and then over time that builds that muscle of resiliency. Right. Sometimes it's just the little things. I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to make my bed. And that is going to keep building strength right. for the next time I come around. I think this last few years, you know, obviously for oh, all yeah. of us has shown the level of resiliency we had. It was a real exposure, but then it also was a real opportunity if people took it right. to develop greater resiliency. And I think the people that won are the ones that just kept showing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. You know what I mean? Just kept showing up. You get to the Hall of Fame by your batting average more so than how many home runs you hit, right? Yeah. And yeah. to think about, I mean, baseball, what a great analogy. You can be in the Hall of Fame and not hit 50% of the balls. Yeah. You can miss 50%, but if you keep showing up, <laughs> yeah. there's a good chance that, I mean, that's kind of anyways. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. How do you approach self-development? So what habits do you maintain to continue to develop in yourself? That's something that you definitely value. Yeah. Um, and our staff values. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think first there's got to be internal intrinsic motivation. Okay. Right. I I've never waited on somebody to develop me. I think God, I look back through my life and obviously the books you read, the people you meet, the yeah. greatest influences in your life. And I've just graced with some amazing people in my life that have poured into me and developed me. And I could probably spend a whole podcast just thinking through, all right, different people along the way that, they taught me certain things and marked my life in a certain way, but I, I never depended on that. Yeah, so I think good. that's the first thing. I think some people are waiting on, well, if I had a mentor, I would get there. If someone would notice me, I'd get there. Yeah. If someone would, you know what I mean? And so I think base level self-development is it's got to be internal, intrinsic motivation that says, I'm just hungry to grow. 
I'm not hungry to grow for a position. Yeah. I'm not hungry to grow for recognition. I'm hungry to grow just because I want to be better. Yeah. I just want to be better. So I think that's baseline, right? Yeah. Intrinsic motivation. So beyond that, what have I done? I always say this, read a book with the mindset that you have to teach the book. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you read it in a different way. Right. So I don't just read a book and then put it on the shelf. I read the book and go, what did I get from it? What do I need to apply? And then what do I need to change about myself? I listen to podcasts, but I don't listen to them just to kill time on the treadmill. What is it I'm learning from this? What am I going to change? What's my action item? I don't go to conferences and have a notebook that's full of great lessons that ends up on a shelf. I immediately get on the plane or back in the car and I'm, I've taught our staff, I'm going through those notes and going, what do I need to teach? What do I need to think about more? Right. What action item do I need to take tomorrow on this? I think it's all those little things of just, I'm hungry. And then obviously people, who do I need to get around? Mm. What are my deficiencies? I always thought about it this way. Not every mentor in your life or not every relationship you pursue in your life is going to be able to give you everything or teach you everything. If I went through the people that I've kind of looked to in my life, each of them are phenomenal at different things. Right. If I'm struggling system strategy wise, I know who I'm calling. If it's a relational, I know who I'm calling. If it's a financial thing, I know who I'm calling and I'm not calling the same person for all those. Right. And so it's pursuing the right relationships and pursuing the right people that they have the gift or they have the skill or they're down the road a little bit further in that area that you need. And I think the other thing we were just talking yesterday and all staff about this, I think you have to embrace when God puts you in over your head because it's when he puts you in over your head that you stay hungry to grow. Yeah, that's great. So if you're not constantly pushing yourself, moving yourself to be in over your head Mm -hmm. And most people are like, when I'm ready, I'll take the step. I say, take the step. And that's what creates the hunger to get for you to get ready. Yeah. I'm not talking about obviously going and biting off something that's going to crush you or you're not gifted for, or wisdom and counsel around you isn't saying, is saying, no, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm just saying, you know, not waiting for someone to do it for you. Like when I got into running, I set a goal of running a marathon and I couldn't run a mile. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. You can't it took run 26 if you can't run one. Yeah. So right, it took me right. a long time to get there. Right. But if I had never put myself in a position where I paid money mm-hmm. <laughs> to run <laughs> yeah. that first 10K. Yeah. And that put some pressure on me and demand on me. And I'd put skin in the game for it. I never would have grown to the place where I could run a 10K to a half marathon yeah. to several marathons. You know what I mean? That helps my intrinsic motivation. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that came from a deeper place, right? I mean, you you ran and you you built up to do a marathon, but it really came from a deeper place of wanting to get healthy. Yeah. So I think I think you had a motivation in there that was bigger. Mm-hmm. You know, so talk about that a little bit. I think sometimes it's very you know people have a motivation that could be surface level that could go to a position, could go to you know a promotion or whatever the case may be. But what you're talking about is bigger than that. You're talking about helping people to develop something maybe on the inside of them. So for the younger leaders out there, how do you mature in that process maybe is a better way to ask it of knowing what the right hunger is. Right. So when I did the races, it was that I was way overweight and I was like, I got to get my act together. (laughs) We just had Owen, our oldest. Yeah. I was like, if I'm going to be around for him and be active for him. So that there was, there was a much deeper motivation than just, I paid 
X number of dollars to yeah. be in a race, which is kind of insane if you think about it. I think about it every time I run. I paid these people to do this to yeah. me. What is my, <laughs> there's yeah. something twisted in my head. <laughs> my counselor needs to walk me through this. Yeah, I think that intrinsic motivation. So for me, it comes back to calling. Yeah, okay, that's great. You know, I did some research on what produces really high capacity leaders. One day I'm going to write on this, I think. And the number one attribute that they all had in common, they knew they were called to something. And I don't think that's just in ministry circles. I read something by the chief culture officer at Southwest, which you know, if they're not getting great press right now after the Christmas debacle, right, right, right. they did an employee survey and it was somewhere like 70, 80% of the people were at Southwest because they felt called. Wow. So I don't think calling is just within a spiritual church thing. I think people feel, I feel called to be a teacher. I feel a call to, yeah. and they may not use that language, but there's something in them that's like, this is my life's purpose. This is what I'm supposed to do and whatever language you want to give to it. And so I think once you know that, it becomes a driver. Yeah. And the second attribute that all of these leaders had in common, and I interviewed them separately, and they all were leading high levels, multi-million dollar organizations, yeah. was this. They had this intrinsic thing that said, I never arrived. So That's they great. stayed hungry for growth. But I think what was below that was because I'm called to this. Yeah. So I've got to grow because I'm called to something great. I've got to get better because I'm called to something great. Even all of them faced really difficult times because I was called to this. Yeah. There's got to be this intrinsic, I have a purpose. It was Mark Twain that said, the two greatest days of your life, the day you're born, the day you realize why. And so if I know why I'm here, and I think most people live a lot of their life and they never know why. They just kind of go through the thing. They they got out of co- high school. I'm supposed to go to college next. Mm-hmm. Oh, what I'm going to do? What do you enjoy? And they never really boil down what am I called to. So they're graduating this. What am I supposed to do? Well, I got to get a job. Now I'm in a job. And now I'm, I'm kind of locked in because now I got bills. I made commitments to a mortgage. I made commitments to a car yeah. payment. I made commitments. So now I got to have this job. And I may not really feel fulfilled in it, but I have obligations to meet. And you should. I'm not saying go quit <laughs> and, you know. Yeah get off your obligations. But I, what I am saying is that I think at some point we never stop and go, why am I here? Yeah. Right. Not that every day is easy, but I don't ever feel like I get up and go to work. I feel like I get up and I go to purpose. Yeah. I wake up every day and I go to calling and it looks like, I mean, it's much more than eight to five. I don't know anybody that runs anything, leading anything, working eight to five, especially if you're in a church, but it, it looks like an office and it looks like reports and it looks like emails to respond to and it looks like meetings to have and strategy and mm-hmm. buildings and funding and all the, it looks like all that. But in my heart, I wake up every day and I show up to purpose. That's great. And I show up to calling. I've had a ton of titles. You know what I mean? That hasn't mattered. I've, I've shown up to purpose. Right. And I think for the young leader, show up to purpose. Yeah, that's The great. title will take care of itself. Show up to calling. You'll never outgrow calling. You'll never outgrow purpose. It'll keep you in pursuit. It'll keep you hungry for yeah. more. It'll keep you growing. That intrinsic thing is I'm called to something great. And that's what I show up to every day. That's awesome. You talk a lot about surrounding yourself with great people and, you mm-hmm. know, and, and the right people. So for you, practically, for those that are listening that are trying to build a team, how do you put together a team that complements you in the best way possible, mm-hmm. but also you feel like have the best attributes to help move that thing down the field? What have you learned over the years in putting different teams together yeah. and building teams? First, it starts with a s- self-awareness. <laughs> yeah. If not, you'll build a team like you. Wow. And that doesn't help you any. Oh, that's good. Because then you don't have other perspectives. You don't have 
a different vantage point, another look at it. So I think first it, it's deep self-awareness. I would say early on as a leader, I just wanted a lot of people like me. The more I grew, I realized, oh, I don't see all there is to see. I need, and you know, we've we've used them all, right? Like <laughs> disc profile, Myers Briggs, yeah, Enneagram's the big thing yeah. right now. Yeah. And so whatever INT, LMNOP, whatever you are, <laughs> I don't know. Like I've just learned I've got to have all those yeah. perspectives. But that starts with self-awareness. I've got to know what I'm not and what I am. And I'm very aware of what I do and very aware of what I don't bring to the table. I'm very aware of how I look at things and I'm very aware of where I miss things. I think the second thing is, and I would hear people say this, I need a bin. Yeah. I've had people tell me that I need a Bethany. Yeah, right. She's off camera, been with the team a long time. I need a Kyle, chief of staff. Yes, I get what you're saying, but they think Ben and Bethany's and Kyle and Lita and Tim, that's all on our executive team. They think they like come out of cereal boxes. Yeah. I didn't get a Ben. We developed a Ben. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I kind of did get a Kyle, but the military <laughs> developed a Kyle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like... Yeah. Oh, poof, I'm going to have this. Right, right, right. This chemistry takes a long time. Understanding one another takes years. It takes a lot of time hanging out. It takes fighting it through. It takes praying with each other, you know, in our context. It, it, it takes a whole lot of time and energy, and you don't develop that overnight. Right. I always want to say, you have a been. It just is maybe yeah. in raw form right now. Yeah. And you have a, a you you have it. Yeah. I, I think everything God has called you to do, he's given you the tools to do. That's right. And so That's good. we often don't have the eyes to see it because we look and go, oh, they're not that yet. Right. The key is yet. What you're saying is that some young leaders want the finished products exactly. without doing the work. So go create them. Yeah. Go pour into them. Go expose them. I know that I don't have everything that you need to develop to your full potential or anybody else on our team. I don't think that I don't right. think I'm the end all be all developer, but I do have access. I do have some things I've learned, but I've accessed other leaders. I have access to the leaders that I'm connected to with their executive teams. Yeah. that's And great. so, so I may not be able to tell you everything, but I can get you around people. I can, help with some blind spots. I can say, I read this. I want you to read this. I listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Mm -hmm. yep. I met this person. I want you to know them. So I can do everything I can to put everything around the people to develop them. So first self-awareness. Second though, is stop looking for the finished product. Now, some people, and we're in this position now, there's, there's several positions in our organization where yeah. I, I need someone that is Anybody listen that's in their 40s that <laughs> have led at a really high level, yeah. that have managed at a really high level. There are those situations and scenarios. But on the average, on the, the typical every day, yeah, you may find them, but why don't you make them? Mm -hmm. Why don't you develop them? Right. Why don't, why don't you see the potential in somebody, create a plan? It's really not rocket science. Yeah. See the potential, say it to them, and then create a plan to develop what you see. Yeah, that's great. But that takes time. That takes almost slow down a little bit. And I, I think it's something that you've done well over the last really three years, four years. I think we really capitalized too on COVID in a way. We're going to invest heavy into young leaders. Mm -hmm. And you may feel like you're slowing down, but when 12, 18 months later, you have a pipeline where you're going, 
not I need someone, but which one will I pick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great place to be. And they be can in. run now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're developed. So, yeah, I think that the, all that is really critical. And then here's the other thing, and I, my pastor, Pastor Chris, says this, which I think is very valid and good. He says, if their name shows up on my phone caller ID, do I want to answer it or do I not want to answer it? Mm. I think that's critical in building a team. I think another question for me, it would be like this. Do I want to golf with them? Yeah. If I don't want to spend four hours on the golf course with you, you're not going to invest. I probably yeah. don't want to put you on the team. <laughs> right, you know what right, I mean? Right, like right. I know that sounds like some people may be, well, that's selfish. You just got to go. Right. No, because it won't have chemistry. You won't intentionally spend the time. Right. It'll become transactional because there's not that chemistry there. Yeah. You know, would I want to spend my day off with you? Well, that leads to another question actually that was was sent in. Yeah. Um, and you do a great job with this. So I think it's 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 very apropos to ask this of you. So you talk about chemistry in the relationship and you want to hang out. And that doesn't, that doesn't make all of it, but that is a, a big component for you. Mm-hmm. It always has been. So how do you manage that part of it? Not a lot of leaders are good at the relationship piece, but then I'm also your boss. Yeah. So can you give everybody some thoughts on how do we draw that line? Is there a line? Do you really work mm-hmm. on trying to integrate more in that part of your life or maybe some key thoughts yeah. on how to do that well? Man, this is hard. <laughs> yeah. It's so challenging. Maybe not as much in corporate world, but in a church world, you're dealing with this, man, this tension of I'm your pastor mm-hmm. and I've prayed your family and visited you in the hospital, but I'm your boss, but you're a part of this church family, but you work on staff. If you don't meet certain goals right. and objectives, I can't keep you on staff because I have a stewardship responsibility mm-hmm. to yeah. make sure that we're making the right investments and it's messy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's sometimes much easier in a corporate setting where it's like, you didn't do great. Sorry. See ya. And we use words like family. So then it's like, do you fire family? Do you kick family? Do you kick? Right. You know what I mean? The metaphor just breaks down That'd to be me easier at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Hey, we're just going to let you go. <laughs> yeah. you know, the last time you were here, you got a little out of control, a little too much sauce. We're going to have to, we're going to have to move you. Do a mid-year review with you. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Joe, yeah. you're We're going to check out back at Christmas, see how you do. Yeah. You're on a 30-day plan. <laughs> <laughs> Improvement plan. If you, if you hit all the marks, you can come for Christmas dinner. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a weird family meeting. I don't know that I ever get it great, honestly. I think it's like this ebb and flow. It's more like, all right, here's the banks of the river and try to stay in the river. Let me back up and say this, and this may sound really harsh. I've been blessed with great friends. I don't need a lot more friends. I've got such a great circle of people I trust and love, and I know trust and love us, and I'm not needy. I think that's a big danger when the leader is needy, needs affirmation, needs pat on the back, needs... Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, you know what I mean? When they need that, that's a really unhealthy place to be. And so I just say that as kind of a baseline. Yeah. I think that my team, I would say the staff at large, they first and foremost don't need me to be their friend. Right. They need me to be their leader. Right. They need me to be full of integrity. They need me to lead with compassion. They can get the friend need met in other places. Yep. They can't get that need met in other places. Consistency, right. caring for their 
their development, their soul, all those things that I think a leader is responsible for. Right. right. And so I would just say on the need end, when I'm healthy, I don't come from a play. I think we all have unhealthy moments <laughs> right, where we, right. when yeah, I'm healthy, that makes sense. I, I'm not in need yep. of, of that, uh, have that need met in, in some really great people. And then I think our team at large doesn't need me to be that role in their life right. as much as they need me to be their leader. Now, when it comes to our direct team, so I think a lot of it's that hard and that relational is where it's your direct team. They have no one else in their life that gets up thinking about their development, their care. Like, that's my job. Right. No one else in this organization is supposed to get up and go, is Ben growing today? Right. How are Ben and Alicia doing today? How's their kids? That's no one else's responsibility. It's my responsibility. Right. 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 And so I think same thing. First and foremost, you need me to be your leader, your pastor in our setting, right? Then beyond that, yeah, there definitely is friend and relationship. Sure. So I would say this, and this really isn't a cop-out, <laughs> but how well this is done is 95% up to the direct report, in my opinion. And their health. And their health. Yep. And we talk about it like this, vertical and horizontal, so vertical is we're in work mode. Right. Some people, maybe you'd use the analogy of what hat are we wearing right now. Right. Right. But vertical, kind of like obviously the kind of the lines on an org chart. So right. we're in vertical mode right now. We're in work mode. Yep. This isn't buddy mode. This isn't did the Cowboys lose again? Of course they did. Yeah. Mode. This isn't, you know, <laughs> creeds coming out. Yeah. When are well, we all getting together? Yeah, we do have to talk about <laughs> that. <after laughs> that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not in that mode. <laughs> and so we know that and we're work mode. Right. Then there's horizontal where it's, we are talking sports. We are just hanging out. We are. And this is the thing. This is where I think this question comes from. Is there becomes a tension when the direct report doesn't read which one are we doing right now? That's a great point. Yeah, Absolutely. It's the job of, I think, the leader and the direct report to have, obviously, this. there's a whole bunch under this. I mean, it's security yeah, yeah. in who you are, security in the relationship. Obviously, you're, if you're working for an insecure leader and a hothead and all those kind of things, you'll never have this. No. It just won't happen. So get the dream out of your heart. <laughs> I don't want to kill it, but it's just not going to happen. To have the conversations yeah. to go, hey, hey, stay back in for a minute. Hey, in that meeting... We weren't in chill time. That's right. I need you to come to that. It's work mode. Yeah. You know what I mean? And here's the hard part. And again, it's time, it's energy, it's investment. It's, we did hang out. We did go over to the basement and watch the game yeah. and eat wings. And it's all that cr helps create this. Because here's the deal with me, and I think probably with most leaders, and you guys are amazing at this, that can switch 10 times in an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just learning that dynamic and that is time. It's time, it's time, it's investment, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Cause young leaders, I feel like they think that to have someone follow them effectively, they need to be liked. And you've talked about what you learned from, uh, John Maxwell about, you know, Hey, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to make you better. better. Yeah. Isn't that a great line? A guy came up and he was like, I had some problems with your book. And John was kind of behind. Yeah. It was like 21 Laws of Leadership, like the staple, you know. And uh, the guy goes, it was a book signing. He was like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't agree with some things in your book. 
he just kept saying it. And John was trying to be kind. And yeah. he was just like, that's okay. It's good. What's your name? Sign in the book. You know, I'm John. I'm your friend. I didn't write it to make you happy. That's good. I wrote it to make you better. Yep. And that's I love it. that. I love that. Yeah. All right. So here's a, here's a question that you're definitely going to love to answer, I think. So if you had the chance to start LifePoint Church all over again, what would you do differently than you did the first time? Um, I would have... I would have found a church planning organization that taught you how to plan a church <laughs> and followed whatever they said. That's great. No, because we didn't plan. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're connected to ARC, really, really engaged and serve on the team there. And we just launched another LifePoint Church plant um, as of this recording this past Sunday. And if I'd have had that kind of success on Sunday one, I would have thought, I mean, they were four times our, our launch. That's crazy on their first Sunday, I would have thought I need to write a book. Like we've revival is like, I would have thought this is it, but we didn't know anything just back to what we were talking about earlier. Knew we were called. Yeah, that's good. Just new calling and hungry to learn. I've really thought about it and I don't know that I would change. I'd, I joke about it. I would find a, you know, an organization and learn how to actually plan a church. I don't know that I would. Yeah, that's good. And the reason being is the experiences, the failures, the grit, the grind, the learning how to lead people, the betrayals, the successes, the, you know, trying something and it didn't work. The, I don't know how we're going to pay this bill this weekend if, if something major doesn't right. happen. All those things built faith, built resilience. We were talking about earlier, built trust. You learned in real time. It wasn't theory. It yeah. wasn't in a book. It wasn't from a podcast. It wasn't somebody else's experience. It it was it was ours. It created a tenacity. It created yeah, just an aggressiveness yeah. in what we did that I don't know that I would trade. And that if I had had and I'm not I'm obviously I'm hundred percent for it. For me personally, would it have softened me? in not a great way right. in my leadership if it had been too easy. Yeah. Now, church planning is never easy, and every church planner will tell you, my city's the hardest, it's the most lost, yeah. it's, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. every city's the hardest. But I just wonder if it would have thickened my skin enough if I hadn't walked through that. No, so that's a great point, yeah. Some of the things I would have changed is, is and they're, they would all be revolved around relationships. Like, I wish I'd have known how to handle that better. Yeah. I wish I'd have been more wise. I wish, sometimes I wish I'd have been quicker to pull the trigger. Right. I wish I'd have removed that staff member faster, or I wish I'd have let go quicker, or I wish I'd have held on to that thing a little longer, built right. a culture better. So it would have been all, it would all be around relational things that um, sometimes you just, you really learn the hard way, which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they call it the hard I think way, right? something that'll help everybody that's listening too is because what you're saying is so true because everything that happened has built you to who you are today, yeah. the type of leader you are today. But something that you've taught our staff that might help everybody too is, is you talk about evaluated experience. So what you just talked yeah. about was it was the experiences over time that mm -hmm. have helped to grow you. And you kind of were wondering if things were different, would I still be where I am? Yeah. But could you just tell everybody, how do you do that? So that's a Maxwell-ism, right? <laughs> uh, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experiences, because if experience was the best teacher, every old person would be wise. Yeah. And that's not always the case. Right. 
Um, so it's just not what you experience. Do you evaluate it and then learn from it? Everyone should go listen to, it was either the January episode or the December episode of Pastor Chris Hodges, the Grow Leader podcast. Yeah. And I got this from him years ago. He finally put it out on a podcast for everybody to have is uh, 12 dials of evaluation. He evaluates every Monday night and then the last week of every year evaluates these 12 dials, gives a grade with commentary. And if the grade isn't good, then what do I need to do to improve this? Wow. Go listen to the podcast. It's fantastic. Then the other thing, and this is a, a, a Maxwell thing, is evaluating. And this is a real practical one. I love this idea. And I haven't done it yet um, this year, but I'm, I'm going to on 2022, is evaluating your year through the photos on your phone. Oh, wow. Isn't that a great idea? That's a great idea. So look back through the photos on your phone, and not all of them, obviously. I mean, some people yeah. have thousands. Yeah. Because I see you taking 20 selfies to get one for Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> like at the airport, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got it right. He got it. That Good thing that escalator was a long ride down. It took hey, him the entire time. If so. you've been through Atlanta, you know how long <laughs> the escalator is to go down to the train to change terminals. And if you've ever flown anywhere, you have to go through Atlanta. Atlanta. Yes. So... Yeah, this guy, this, I got to tell you that this, this guy's on the escalator and you were with me on this trip just a few weeks ago and he puts his bag down and he's got his, his coffee and he starts the picture at the top of the escalator and about three quarters of the way down. We're almost to the end. He finally got the picture he wanted because his bag was about to get caught in the bottom and it was about anyway, different picture. What so are we when talking he evaluates about? his year. Yes, he's definitely evaluating. Yeah, he's gonna That's it. Great. Pictures. That's yeah. what we were talking about. Yeah. So like <laughs> going through your pictures and maybe even picking one a month or two a month. So 12, 24 pictures yeah. of significant moments and then evaluating the moment. So maybe it's this picture's from a family vacation. I'm going to evaluate that. That's great. How well did I invest in the kids on this? How well did I invest in my spouse on this? What were the highlights? What did we like that if we could replicate it? it would create another meaningful moment for our family. Yeah, that's good. You know, yeah. maybe it's something significant. Maybe you had a work opportunity. So that's February's picture. And so I love, I think that's a real practical, yeah. easy, and even engaging. And you kind of relive the year and go, wow, looking at these pictures, I was gone too much. Yeah, or, you know what I mean? Good. You kind of forget. So I think that's a real great. That's a great perspective. Yeah. yeah. By the way, and then obviously organizationally should always be, as close to an event as possible, evaluating the event yeah. through a grid. And, and evaluation isn't, hey, I loved this. This was great. This was cool. Yeah. Okay, that's not an evaluation. That's, that's Or like we do, we, tra- we just go off on everything. Trash everything. Like we trash everything. <laughs> and but, then we feel like we have to say something. Was nice. Good. Yeah. Having some kind of tool like yeah. um, a right, wrong, missing, confusing. I mean, there's so many tools. I think people are all aware of those. You, Google can help you with that. But, but going into and evaluating, okay, I'm, I'm going to use pictures and a grade. That's a tool. I'm going to use 12 dials. I'm going to grade myself. I'm going to give commentary to why I think that's the grade. And then I will give one action item to change. So just some coming in with some kind of system yeah. instead of just going, I like that. That felt good. Okay. Let's give a little bit more beyond feeling what was good. What wasn't great. What's the, I think the important part is what's the action item um, to change it. Cause if not, you just, 
reflection is good, but reflection with action is better, right? Yeah, that's great. I got a bonus question for you. Let's go. You love college football. It's your favorite sport. I love college football. All right. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned from Coach Prime, Deion Sanders? <laughs> He's the man. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, if you're not watching Coach Prime, you are missing some. Like any great leader, it's no surprise. He's a great culture builder. Yeah. And the reason he's a great culture builder is because he sets the standard and then he doesn't let off the standard. Pulls the line. But he isn't a jerk about it. Yeah. So the other day he's in the, it looks like, I don't know, it looks like at Colorado they have a cafeteria. I imagine they do a cafeteria just for the football players, just for yeah. athletes, right? So he's walking around everybody. He's talking to them, giving them nicknames, remembering their name, the nickname he gave them. He's, he's just creating equity with them. Mm -hmm. Any coach I've ever talked to, I, I do one-on-ones with my players. I spend time with my players. They buy in. They go in the home. You mm -hmm. know, they're, they're buying equity with mom and dad. They're in the recruiting process. So he's buying equity. But then on the same side, the other day there was a clip. And this is a small thing, but I was like, that's it. It's sweating the details. Evidently, mm -hmm. he wants all of his players in the same uniform, not just on the field. They've got gear that they wear to the weight room. So when strength and conditioning is happening, they wear gray t-shirt, black shorts, black socks. Wow. He walks into the weight room the other day and cameras are following him everywhere. <laughs> walks into the weight room, guys doing deadlifts. He goes, hey, white socks, get out. Oh, wow. Not change your socks, get out of the weight room. You're not meeting the standard. He kicked him out of the weight room. <laughs> yeah. Because he's wearing white socks. And it's not that he was wearing white socks. It's that he says, if we're going to be a team, we're going to dress like a team. Yeah, that's good. And so it's that it's that culture chasing yeah. that's going to produce, because we all get on the same culture. It was a saying that culture is the vehicle of your vision. And if the vehicle is contaminated or the vehicle is a flat tire or the vehicle is low on oil or gas, yeah, your statement can be beautiful. It can be inspiring. It can be engaging. You can put it on every piece of merch and on demand, yeah. and it will not get anywhere if you don't have great culture. Wow. Evidently he knows that obviously I mean, he built great culture at Jackson state. Yeah. Took him to a championship. Yep. And now it will not surprise me one bit if he's in the CFP and started in the weight room when it socks. started with white socks. Yep. hundred percent. And I know people will go, Oh, that's no big deal. No, started with white socks. Yeah. That's good. Yep. Not because you're trying to be hard. You're trying to set a culture. Now, if you don't value excellence, don't worry about any of that. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to, but whatever you say you value, then, kick white socks out of the weight room yeah until they learn we wear black socks that's great. what we do that's awesome so coach prime <laughs> he's a man yeah he's the best and you have the sweatshirt oh yeah i got it as a great christmas gift yeah it was the, the best christmas gift i got this year <laughs> is that the last bonus that was the last bonus yep. it was a lot of fun <laughs> it was a lot of fun thanks yeah. for being on the podcast i'll give you a rating later good oh, feedback great if they see you back on, they'll know it went well. Yes. And if, if not, they we don't, can still be friends. We can still be friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast today. I hope this was helpful. As always, if it's blessing you, adding value to your life, we'd love it if you would rate, review, or leave a comment, or share it with a friend, share it on social media. It's always super helpful and encouraging to know that the content is adding value to your life. We look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Daniel Floyd Leadership Podcast. <laughs>